Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord one more good hand today. He's worthy of our praise, and we are so glad you're here. Hey, what you tell your neighbor, you're glad they're here this morning, and you may be seated. Well, turn with me today, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9. Anybody a little extra sleepy because of daylight savings time? Come on, wave your hand at me here. Boy, it just seems like my bed doesn't want to let go of it in the mornings. I thought about staying in this morning, and my wife said, I can't. I have to go. I have to go preach a sermon this morning. So I'm, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, Mark chapter 9. We've been doing a series the last six weeks that I'll finish today. It's called Unmasked. It is taking the mask off. It is endeavoring to look in the pages of Scripture and see what the Bible says about a real spiritual being, about a fallen angel. His name is Satan. We call him the devil. He's called Lucifer. He's called the God with a little g of this world, an angel of light, a deceiver, a devourer. Bottom line, though, that the Bible says that evil is not just some concept or abstract uh, thought, but evil is real in the world, and it's personified in this spiritual being called Satan and Lucifer. Well, the last few weeks, we've been looking, trying to understand how he affects people. We've talked about temptation. We've talked about offenses. Uh, we talked about how to fight spiritually in our prayer if you're under a spiritual attack. Last week, we talked about how important it was to guard our thoughts because our thought life is one way that he can influence us. Well, this morning, I'm going to endeavor to take the focus off of ourselves and encourage you to look to other people that are on some kind of affliction, torment, deception, uh, under spiritual attack, and how we can help other people who are under Satan's influence. And I'm going to talk about four different kinds of people today. I'm going to talk about one that I, I will probably tweak your thinking a little bit. We're going to look and see what the Bible has to say, number one, about people who are possessed or controlled by demons. I don't know if you believe that or not, but we're going to look at the Bible. The Bible's very clear about that. Secondly, we're going to talk about people that don't know Christ, how the devil tries to keep them away. The Bible will tell us that he blinds their mind. The third group we'll talk about is a backslidden person, someone who wants to walk with Christ, but because of offenses, because of temptation, a number of things, they're pulled away and how we can help pull them back towards Christ. And then lastly, we're going to talk about something that characterizes America today is deception and confusion. How many know it's truth that sets people free? So that's what we're going to do this morning, and I've entitled the message, Help is on the Way. Help is on the way, and that help for other people can come through us. Let's begin first in Mark chapter 9, uh, and I want to make clear that we can help people that are in spiritual bondage get free. I'm talking about this idea of a literal demon spirit. The Bible says that not only is a Satan a fallen angel, but he literally took some of the angels of God and they too fell and now they're called demons. This word demon is mentioned at least 50 times in the Bible uh, and we're going to see how they work. It's a very controversial subject. I'm fully aware of that today. It's misunderstood, but yet it's biblical. The idea of it has been mispracticed. Uh, we live today, the last 40, 50 years in America, we have been taught in our public education that there's no such thing uh, uh, as God or demons or devils or angels. And everything in life 
that's real is something that we can quantify or something that we can see under a microscope, something that a telescope can show us. So this secularism or humanism, and outside of that, there's nothing spiritual. Well, that's not a biblical concept. So let's look at the Bible and, and see what it has to say. And I've chosen a somewhat lengthy passage, but one that, that, that talks about the, some of the most extreme manifestations that can happen when a person's under this influence. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 a dad brings his son to Jesus, and he says, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit or controlled or under the influence of a spirit. And notice, this spirit robs this child of his speech. He's mute. Now, I don't know what a, child, a speech therapist would tell us about this. I'm not suggesting that all mute people are demon-possessed, but this one in particular was. It was one manifestation in his life. And look at verse 18, and think about this. And we don't know how old the boy was, but imagine, you know, he's 9 or 10 years old or 11 years old. He's the apple of your eyes, a dad. But verse 18 says, when the spirit comes on him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. Now, if you've been around life at all, you know this sounds like a seizure. Uh, I, I, and again, I'm not saying all seizures are, uh, are because the person is demon-possessed. But in this case, that was a manifestation. Uh, I asked your disciples, the dad said, to drive out the spirit. Now, this is very important because a spirit, you cannot counsel someone with a spirit to get over it. This, this control causes this person to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't disciple someone or train them if they're being controlled. This thing has to be gotten rid of. Uh, it's like if you get a tick on your body, you know. I mean, no mosquitoes, they buzz and you hear them coming. But if you just look down and you've got a tick on you, you've worked in the yard or your pet, I mean, no, you want to get that thing off. And uh, listen, don't just pull it off, okay? I'll tell you a little secret here, getting ticks off. You take a little Q-tip, this is a turkey hunter's technique, and you put a little liquid soap on it, and you just start rubbing that guy in a little circle, and after a while, he'll pop out. But if you don't, you could get some disease, but he's afflicting you. you got to get him out. All the talking in the world, all the hot showers and cold showers won't do anything. You've got to get him out. And that's what Jesus said. He asked the disciples to drive out the spirit. They couldn't do it. And look at verse 19. It's an indictment. Jesus said, you unbelieving generation. So somehow Jesus links our willingness, desire to help people get free from demonic oppression is linked to our faith. And I'm not saying it's the only criteria, but it's an important criteria. As I look at my own life over the years that, that I have in, uh, as a Christian and as a pastor... I think many times that I have, when I've not been able to help people, whether it was some demonic thing or another issue in their life, it was, could well be because my faith was not at a level to enter the fight. I mean, now this is a spiritual fight. Let me remind you, several weeks ago we talked about Daniel. And Daniel, you remember in the Old Testament, Daniel was praying. And in his prayer, uh, we're told by the angel later on in the story, is as soon as he started praying, the angel came down from heaven to help him. But he said he was met in the heavens for three weeks and he was fighting against the prince of Persia. So there was something positive endeavoring to happen, but yet at the same time, there was spiritual pushback. Well, how many know we have to keep our faith in the battle as long as it lasts? Well, verse 20, Jesus, when the Spirit saw Jesus, and that's an interesting phrase. Another time we see demon possession in the New Testament, 
uh, in the book of Acts. Do you remember? Uh, uh, there's what's called the seven sons of Sceva. They're a Jewish exorcist, not a Christian. And this spirit spoke through this person and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? So this spiritual entity, um, it, throw, it, it sees Jesus. It throws the boy into a convulsion. He falls to the ground, rolls around foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And this makes me angry to think that Satan has this power. I mean, no, when, when, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and God said, you're going to surely die, all these things started happening. Evil was invited into the world, and sometimes even children are attacked in this fashion. The boy said, uh, the dad said, from childhood this has been happening. And look at verse 22. It has often thrown him in the fire or water to do what? To kill him. Perhaps this is one of the driving force behind suicide, behind its, this, this, this urge. I shared last week of a dear friend of mine, a committed Christian, but was in a deep, dark spot place in his life, driving down the interstate, coming home, and this thought came to him, I should just drive into a bridge pillar on the way home and get out of this life and free my family from all the hell that I brought on them. And he said every bridge he went through as he came towards Texarkana, this thought began to torment him. Well, in this particular case, this is what was going on. It was demonic. And verse 23, or verse 22, he said, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And this is a powerful scripture. It's an encouragement for all of us. Uh, the boy's father went on to say, I do believe. And what did he say? Help me overcome my unbelief. I cannot think of a better prayer for you and I to pray today is that God would help us that when our faith is weak, that our faith would be, become stronger. Our faith can kind of vacillate like that, like, like the water level in the ground. You know, it was just, it was, my, my garden was dry the other day. It was dry in the wildflowers, and we got that great rain, and all of a sudden, the water level comes up. Well, that's like faith in our life. Um, and then Jesus, verse 25, interestingly, he said, not to the boy, but he said, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you... Come out of him and never enter him again. So Jesus, in a place of spiritual authority, spoke to this demon that was harassing this kid. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. Jesus took him by the hand. He stands up, and his disciples ask him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, This kind can come out only by what? Prayer. Or the translations say prayer and fasting. What's the point? Sometimes we have to be spiritually up for the game. It is to be in a spiritual position where prayer has made you stronger or prayer has pushed back against darkness because the words alone aren't, aren't enough sometimes. Uh, now, this is not the only evidence. This is frequently happening in the Bible. This is one of the more extreme cases, one that we might call more refined demonic control. Uh, if you remember on the island of Crete, Paul was there, and he was speaking to a politician. He was called a Roman proconsul, and there was a counselor, or there was his assistant, that was a demon-possessed man. And Paul had to address the spirit in this man before he could reach the proconsul. Now, in this case, the guy didn't roll on the floor. He didn't vomit or anything like that. I mean, that can get kind of weird. Fortunately, that doesn't happen in church too often. I'm glad it doesn't. <laughs> I can't remember one time. It's a long time ago. Uh, we had taken the carpet out of the room. We were going to re-carpet it, and all the chairs were out. And, and I, this uh, uh, 
an evangelist from Africa, this big guy, and he was praying for people at the end of the service. And this petite little, little she's probably 35, maybe 36 years old, brown hair, just real, real cute, petite. He started praying for her, and all of a sudden she fell to the ground and started slithering like a snake. True story. I looked around, and I thought, I'm glad not many people are here now. And she literally slithered kind of like halfway to the, to the back of the room. She got up. She seemed to be okay. Now, I don't go looking for things like that. I don't want them to happen. But how many know they happen sometimes? See, there's other examples in the Bible. How many know the, uh, uh, there was a woman, the Scripture says, for 18 years she had some kind of infirmity in her back. We don't know what she'd look like under the MRI. I can't tell you how Satan does this, but the Bible said for 18 years Satan had bound her. Uh, another case, you remember uh, the Gadarene demoniac. Here was a man that was, again, possessed, afflicted by demons. He was driven in the wilderness. He lived in the cemetery. He wouldn't wear clothes. I mean, we would call this guy crazy and out of his mind. I'm very grateful for what mental, mental health care people are able to do and help people. They solve a lot of problems, but there's some things even outside of their control. Are you with me today? The, uh, the Pope recently came out and he encouraged uh, Catholics, uh, uh, encouraged the priests that they should on occasion uh, bring in an exorcist to help them. I mean, so this is an awareness that's out in the world, but, but the Bible talks a lot about this. And if I could again kind of make some summary observations from this passage, that some problems people face are because of the influence of demons. Not all problems are, but there are some. Uh, demons are fallen angels. They fell from heaven uh, with Satan. Again, mentioned over 50 times in the, in, in the Bible. They're agents of Satan. They have limited power to influence, to harm, and to attack people. They can attack people's bodies, their minds, their circumstances, but they can be driven out and the person can be set free. Now, if I could kind of give a little balance or a little caveat here, how many know there's some well-intentioned people that have really gotten weird about this in the Christian faith? I mean, I mean, perhaps you have seen that. Uh, they tried to help people get free, but it just became weird. But let me say this. Just because you've seen weirdness or heard about weirdness, don't throw the baby out with bathwater. I mean, again, we're reading a lengthy passage, and we could have spent the whole time this morning looking at this, but I just wanted to touch this to show you that this is real. And let me know, you and I don't have to call on an exorcist. Jesus said, we have authority as believers. You don't need holy water and you don't need a big silver cross. You need the name of Jesus, you need faith, and you need prayer. Let me, let me talk about this designated spiritual authority because many will say and agree that, yeah, well, Jesus did that, but that was for back then. That's not for today. I'll show you that not only did Jesus do this, but, but it, was the, it was the habit of believers to have this ability to minister to people in this way. Uh, many were raised, as I was for a period of time, in dispensationalism or cessationism, which basically is a, is a theology that says the supernatural aspects, whether it was the gifts of the Spirit, these type deliverances, they were for yesterday and not for today. I would suggest to you that there's no biblical basis for that belief, but it's out there. Uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 17, again, many will say, well, yeah, the, the, the apostles could do that, but we can't. It was not just the apostles. In Luke 10, Jesus had sent out 70, or some translation, 72 believers, and they returned with joy, and they said this, Lord, say it with me, even the demons are subject to us. How? Say that last part. In your name. 
It's not the loudness of the way I project. It's not my mannerisms. It's not my style. It's the authority of the name of Jesus that has spiritual power. And then Jesus responded to the disciples. He said, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. And then Jesus said, I have given you authority. This is the 70, the 72. I've given you spiritual authority, delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now that's just not, he's not just talking about cotton mouths and, and copperheads, okay? It's a spiritual picture here of demonic. And over all power of the enemy, and Jesus said in this context, nothing shall hurt you. Now, Mark 16, it's broadened in the end of Mark's gospel. Mark said, these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They'll do what? They'll cast out demons. So again, put aside the weirdness just a second. Put aside the whatever strange things you might have heard, seen, or read about. And just foundationally, let us believe afresh that as a Christian, I can help people get free who are under Satan's influence. Whether there's someone and it's, you know, again, not, 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 a, not, a, not a show that I put on. But we have this authority in Christ. Our faith-filled prayer is necessary that we can command spirits to leave in Jesus' name. Now, I'm just simply reading the Bible to you. Uh, another illustration in Acts 16, Paul the Apostle, he met a slave girl who had what? A spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She was the real psychic hotline. And, of course, they made money off of her. But verse 18, Paul got so exasperated and he turned and he said to the demon, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is even Paul. His basis of his authority was the name of Christ to come out and instantly it left her. Now, the idea of this, that using the name of Jesus, it implies the authority of Jesus. Uh, I have a friend that's building me a fence in my backyard now. And the other day, they came and, and, and uh, uh, some workers came out and the supervisor came out and, and had some workers and the supervisor was telling where to put the posts and what to do. And he said, I've got two other jobs. I'll be back. But what he did, he was able to tell these workers what to do and they did it. But guess what? His authority, he was not the owner of the company. He was a delegated authority. But yet he had authority because the owner invested it in him. And the laborers, if they wanted to continue to work, they had to do what the supervisor said. So can you see the parallels? Delegated authority is what we're talking about. And it's the name of Jesus that has power. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, the second type person that we can help. And this is what the Bible would call an unbeliever. Someone that's not yet committed to Christ. Someone that, that has not given their life. Someone that's not a follower of Jesus. Have you ever wondered why uh, some people just remain so adamant not to believe in Christ? Why some people... Uh, well, for example, you're here on a Sunday morning. I guarantee you there was probably some good show you DVR'd or, or you could have been out, you know, uh, turkey hunting in Texas or Mississippi. Uh, there was some, but, but you chose to come and honor God. You chose to come and give to, you, 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 to God's house to worship Him. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference between us and that person? And, I, and they're not bad people, but it's just like they have no interest in spiritual things. They don't care. It's not real to them. Why are they like that? The Bible will tell us very clearly. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, now, the gospel, it means the good news of Jesus Christ, that he was crucified on a cross to pay the penalty of our sins. He died, 
And then he rose from the grave, and he's coming back one day to this earth. That's the gospel. But when it says it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Now, imagine if, if, as I put this little handkerchief on, my eyes are veiled. If someone had led me by the hand into the room today, you know, you kind of see this on gangster movies. They, they, put a, they, they hide someone's eyes and they bring them in front of the mafia boss. But if I was led into this building today and, and now I'm talking to you, I wouldn't have a clue if anyone was here. I mean, for all I knew, if I was veiled when I came in, the only person here is my wife. And she's not even here, I don't think. No. <laughs> what does the veil have to do? It has the power to blind you. And listen to what the scripture says. The God of this age has done what? Blinded the minds of the unbeliever. The God of this age, Satan himself, the devil, he's caused people not to believe. Now, how does he do that? I don't know how he does that. It starts when we're born. How I many know because of Adam and Eve's fall? When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, it's like if you can imagine, they were given dominion over the earth. And that dominion, if you can imagine, is like a master key. And when they turned to reject God and follow Satan, they gave Satan the master key. They gave him the dominion over the earth, and in return, Satan blinded people. Hence, we don't come into this earth necessarily aware of God. I mean, how, how is it that two... I mean, and you can look... Well, just look at, uh, look at two, two PhDs. I mean, two highly educated men or women... One that believes in God, one that gets out of the morning and hears the birds sing and says, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. The other that wakes up and believes that this magic of evolution created the beauty of the flowers that we see and the birds we sing and the rotation of the planets on its axis and, and the production of oxygen and carbon dioxide and all the cycles of life. He just believes that it's, that it's somewhat deliberate, but it's kind of arbitrary. And we're not sure where they... How can they both, educated people, be on both sides? One's eyes are open and one are blinded. Well, notice now, uh, salvation, though, sets us free from spiritual darkness and Satan's control. And you and I have something to do in terms of sharing our, the gospel with people that are blinded. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Now, listen to this scripture. It says, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and done what? Transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He purchased our freedom. Freedom from who or what? Freedom from sin and Satan's bondage and forgave our sins. So this means when someone hears about Christ, that the blinders are taken away. The light comes in. God reveals himself. Christianity is not just figured out. The Bible says God reveals himself to us, and when he does, we say yes or we say no. Now, let me illustrate this if I can, and I'm going to use these two big black tiles on, on the platform, and it's got a, a piece of metal in the middle. Now, uh, in, the, in, the, in the world today, there's 230-some nations in the world, right? But the Bible tells us that the world is not composed of 230, whatever it is, 32, 37 entities. It's composed of two kingdoms. God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. In this one, people understand who God is. People like you, people like me, who once didn't want anything to do with God, to, you know, would call on God in a crisis, but really were living over here for themselves, and then something happened. Now, let me illustrate. I, I was a, 
uh, I was not always a preacher behind the pulpit. Uh, when I was 19, uh, I had this big afro. I mean, it was a white man's afro, okay, but it was big. And it, was so, it, would, it would stick out the ears of my football helmet. I mean, my baseball hat just kind of sit on top. And uh, I, mean, I, I was just a party kind of guy. I was as worldly as I could be. And uh, I figure I had maybe 300 friends. I lived in a small rural area, went to two different high schools in the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, went to a junior college in a 20-mile radius. But something happened when I got saved. This guy, who used to party and try to have fun and do everything life could offer him over here, realized that something's missing in life. Realized that all these ways I'm trying to find happiness is not doing it. And a God-shaped void began to be revealed to me. And someone told me, he was a Gideon. And someone told me, this guy told me, that if I would put my trust in Christ, if I would believe in Jesus. Now, mind you, I'd been raised in church, but how many know going to church won't get you to heaven? That if I would put my trust in Christ and receive him as my Savior, if I would step from darkness into light, that God would change my life. And he did. Well, guess what? I get out of Navy boot camp. Of course, I'm bald now. I don't have, I don't have much hair. Just a, Maybe a little more than I do now, but not much. Some of you are laughing. I like to tease kids at the door and talk to them a little bit. And some of them will have these little spike hairdos. And uh, I'll say, well, I think I might do mine like that. And every once in a while, I get an honest one. You don't have enough hair to do yours like mine. Well, anyway... But I went to this party, I can remember, and I mean hundreds of people were there, and you know, they're drinking and smoking and doing everything, and they're offering to me, and I'm just simply saying, no, man. Now, look, I've got the same blue jeans I used to wear, the same cool shoes on, the same cool shirt on, but this time, rather than taking, you know, drinking and getting high and all that, I'm saying, you know what, I, 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 don't, I don't need it anymore. I found something better. And they would say, okay, see you. And what I thought were 300 friends was actually four or five people that really cared about me. And what had happened, I transferred kingdoms. But guess what? I wouldn't have made the transfer if a guy hadn't told me how to get free from darkness and into light. And that's why we share the gospel of Christ with people so unbelievers can become believers. Those in darkness can experience the light of Christ. Come on, give him a good hand this morning. Let me give you the third group of people who, who Satan controls in their life. I'm going to call them backslidden people. It's like if you can imagine the Christian life is like climbing a ladder. Well, how I many know not only do we sometimes, get, hopefully we get to the top, sometimes people climb back down. Uh, backslidden people find their way back to God. Now, James chapter 5, verse 19, James says, If anyone among you wanders from the truth... And someone brings him back. Now, this wandering can be called by many things. It can be caused by temptation could pull us back in the world. Uh, we can get offended at someone. You know, we can feel like God let us down. A prayer wasn't answered. Something bad happens. But the bottom line, we're being pulled back spiritually. But notice what it says. Someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will do what? Save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, this, the idea here is that, is that someone that knew the Lord and walked away from him. Well, I want to suggest to you from experience and a, and, and a biblical sense, Satan is behind this. 
Satan wants to keep you over here in darkness as long as he can. He didn't want the Gideon sharing his faith. He wants to keep you bound because he's a thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you happen to become a Christian, I guarantee you for the rest of your life, you're going to find that Satan wants to pull you back across the aisle. He wants you to give up on God. He wants you to turn your back on God. He wants you to walk away. He wants to pull you. And sometimes we try to live in... Uh-oh, my screws are slick. Sometimes we try, to, we, try to, we try to live in both worlds. We try to see, you know, the God side, but then the other side too. But, but I'm not going to do it, but imagine a, a boat and a pier and that boat drifting. Well, you have to choose which side you're going to be on. Well, sometimes people make the wrong choice. And let me say this, that doesn't mean because they're a bad person. They're tempted just like you and I are, and it could be at a tough time of life and they slip away. Maybe, maybe you're fairly new to the Lord, and, uh, or, or you don't have to be new to the Lord. Let's just say that uh, you had a life like I did, an old life and a new life. You know, I can look on Facebook, and I can listen to an old rock song that I used to listen to, and my mind takes me back 40 years in a blink of time. And if you're in a weak moment in your life, you can find that someone calls you, maybe it's a Saturday, and they say, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, you know, whatever you say. But they say, why don't you come over and watch the game? Just some guys here, and you know what they're going to be doing. They say, no, 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 we're just going to watch the fights, or we're going to, you know, Final Four's coming up. Just come on over. And before you know it, you go, and you start out drinking ginger ale, and before you know it, you know, you're on Bud Light, and then you graduate from there. And before you know it, then you, you feel bad. You feel condemned. You get ready to go to church in the morning. Your head's hurting. Hadn't had that happen in a while, but your head's hurting again. And here you feel condemned. Now, how many know when we feel condemned, we, when we feel that we're not worthy? How many know none of us are worthy to come before God? See, my performance is not what makes me worthy. Come on, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And... Satan wants to beat me up and make me feel like I'm worthless. I've done it again. How could God ever forgive me again? That's a trick of the devil. But what happens, though, is he wants to pull you back the next night, and the further he pulls you, the things of God only become a memory. You used to read your Bible every day. Now you rarely pick it up. You rarely come to church, and now you've become the person that you were. Can I tell you, Satan is smiling, and your heavenly Father is in pain. What we need is someone to help us back return to God from our backslidings. And how many know, friends, they're out there all around us in the world. And if you and I can reach our brothers and sisters who have fallen, come on, we'll save someone from the snare of death. Give the Lord another, another good hand today. Let me close with this last point. Is that we can help confused and deceived people with truth so they can be free. Now, how many would agree that America is a pretty confused place? We're filled with confused and deceived people. Well, our job as Christians is to speak the truth in love. Let me explain it. Acts 17. Here's a, here's a, a, a New Testament passage. Paul, the apostle, waiting in Athens, the city of Athens, he's deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere. Now, I want to ask you, when, 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 if you've served the Lord... Hopefully, a lot of the things of this world are distasteful to you, but, but how does it make you feel? I hope you don't look down in a condescending way at people who are where we once were. If there's conversations about same-sex marriage or conversations about you know gender confusion and all these things, I hope you never look down at people. I mean, no, we're all created in the image of God. All people are due respect, but unless they hear truth, 
They're going to stay confused as they were. Paul was troubled by what he saw. He went to the synagogue, three places. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. He spoke daily in the public square, which means like he's on the street corner, he's in Lowe's, Sam's, wherever he goes, talking about Christ. But he also had a debate with some philosophers. Now, I want you to think modern-day philosophers. Maybe, maybe they're the people that are on The View, and they have this little panel. Or MSNBC, has a, they're discussing whatever, some, something going on in America. Uh, or ESPN is discussing the morality of racism in the NFL, or, or, or these kind of things. Does it feel like the blind are leading the blind? Well, imagine these groups of people, and he talks to them. Verse 22, men of Athens, I notice you're very religious in every way. I was walking along. I saw many of your shrines. These are idols, places where people worship. One of your altars had this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, what does that mean? If you've ever, this is more common in the third world, but I've even seen them in America, a Buddhist shrine. They'll have a little picture of Buddha, a little incense burning around it. Sometimes the Catholic shrine, particularly when I used to travel to Mexico a lot, you might see a picture of the Virgin Mary. Uh, you might, you know, candles and, you know, people make little gifts. Well, what was inscribed on it, though, said this, to an unknown God. And Paul said, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm going to tell you about. In other words, he found a way to connect with them. He found a way, not, you know, he didn't just live it in his Christian catacomb, but he found a way to connect with the world in terms they could understand. He found out what was missing in their life and he went to it. Uh, I, I want to suggest to you, we've got our own version of deception in America today. Uh, the USA Today uh, had an article not too long ago. They called Oprah Winfrey a spiritual leader for the new millennium. <laughs> it, 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 they say that over 10 million people a day watch Oprah. Listen now, the USA Today said she's a moral voice of authority for the nation. Do you know that Oprah told her followers there's many ways to find God? Not just through Jesus. What did Jesus himself say in John 14, 6? Jesus said, I am the way, definitive article, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Why is that? This little piece of metal dividing the two kingdoms is our sin that separates us from God. And it's only the blood of Christ that can make me forgive my sins and wash my sins away from me. I will not reincarnate into a new being. I cannot look within to the power within. I cannot find my, 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 my safe spot within and be saved. It is only through Christ. But I'm telling you, she is one of many voices in America today. Voices are standing behind in college classrooms and other places telling students there is no God. Uh, we, we all came from monkeys. We came from single-cell organisms. We are a deceived and a confused people. People are searching for truth and meaning. Some people look for it in the supernatural. They try psychics, Satanism, the occult, tarot cards, witchcraft, astrology, New Age, Eastern religions... Uh, they may be searching in non-spiritual means, the secularism, humanism. Uh, they may be looking to, for, to science to provide the answers to life. Uh, other people look to materialism to make them happy. But I'll tell you, friend, we are lost and aimless without Christ. America has become a culture without truth, and we have deceived and confused people uh, telling others how to live. 
And if a Christian stands up and shares a biblical truth, we're called a hateful bigot. Now, I don't know how it made you feel when we showed the little clip there of the little girl saying, I want protection in the bathroom. But listen, friends, Americans don't even know today if I'm a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, and we somehow believe that we have the power to make that choice and that can change whenever I want it to. And Facebook will give you 40 options to choose your gender. I will suggest to you, friends, we are confused. Because the Bible says God created us male and female. But you can feel the little tension in the room just when I mention this. It's because of the world we live in today and we kind of stand behind our positions. Listen, friends, don't be afraid to tell people the truth about Christ. Don't be afraid to tell them about Jesus. Even if you're called a name, even if you're called a hateful, and now it's becoming violence is being used for it. But listen, let us have what Paul did, move with compassion for these people. Let us be troubled, come on, because they are where we once were. Listen, let us never be named as a self-righteous, judgmental person in reality, but let the love of Christ compel people the truth because how many know it's the truth that will set people free? Let me, let me wrap up with this scripture. 2 Timothy 2.24. Listen to this in context of what we're talking about. It's how we would, should talk with people in our culture. The Lord's servant, that's us, must not be quarrelsome, Facebook or anywhere else. Come on, we're not trying to win a fight. But be kind to everyone, able to teach, which means we need to be educated in the issues of our day, patiently enduring evil. Come on, not getting flabbergasted, and I don't care about you, but patiently enduring it, correcting our opponents with gentleness. And now listen to this next phrase. God may perhaps grant them repentance, that's turnaround, leading to a knowledge of the truth. See, it's truth that sets us free. And they'll come to their senses and escape, what's it say, from the the snare of the devil. Now, isn't that interesting? When they come to their senses, when God grants repentance, the one who was in darkness will find their way in light. And it's because someone loved them enough to tell them the truth. Come on, give the Lord one more, more hand today. I want to wrap up our series, Unmasked, with, with two scriptures One is a promise. It's from Romans 16. Mind you now, Rome in their day, it it, it was governed in a way that Nero would would dip Christians in tar and light them at night to be a torch in his gardens. And Paul said this to them, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then he said this, the grace, that is the ability to endure, the ability to hang on, the ability to not quit, God's help in your difficulty, grace be with you. That was the promise that one day, come on, Satan's attacks are going to be over, friend. One day you're not going to have to endure it anymore. I don't care if you're the, the little boy that was, that was, that was under the demon's influence or, or whether you're under spiritual attack as a Christian, one day it's coming to an end. But until that day, let this scripture guide us. 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. And watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Don't look for him behind every, you know, behind every chair, but know that he could be behind one. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Come on, that could be us. And our response is this, and I close. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith.
Wear the armor of God. Use the shield of faith. Use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And having done all, stand, friends. You and I remain in a conflict that's happening all over the world to believers everywhere. But how many know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? And our hope and confidence is one day through Christ, these sufferings will be over. But until that day, I can stand and having done all, stand. Hallelujah. Let's do that. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. And we're going we're gonna to close with a prayer. Why don't you just have just a God moment with us? Well, I'll say a prayer. We'll have one song and then, and then dismiss. But let me just encourage you, please stay tuned in for just one more moment. And I want you to just bow your head a moment and say, Lord, God, would you help me to be able to help people that are under some spiritual bondage? I'm not crazy to see anybody with those kind of wild manifestations, but kind of the bottom line is whether if I know someone that's under spiritual attack, if they're being influenced by demons, God, could I have strong faith and a strong prayer life so I can help that person get free? I don't have to draw attention to myself. It's not a show. It's not a method. But Lord, I want to have a heart to help people get free, and I want to have the ability to be able to do it. Lord, I want to ask you today to help me have a special burden for people that don't know Christ. When they're acting the way they are, let me not get put out with them, but let me realize that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded their minds. And I'm going to pray with them, and I'm going to tell them about Christ. Lord, for the backslider that's in my world, that brother or sister that used to walk with me to the house of God, they, they used to come with me to the life group, they used to share texts about prayer and Bible verses on Facebook, and now they're away from God. Lord, I want to ask you to help me to rescue them, that I'd have a heart for them. And God, might you help me be someone that helps deceived and confused people with truth. Not because I'm smarter than they are, but I know the one who is. Help me, God, be able to set people free. Come, Holy Spirit. Slip your hands to heaven a moment. Just say, Lord, would you just give me, give me spiritual power, Lord, because I do live in a spiritual world. Don't let me walk in fear. Don't let me get weird. But at the same time, God, let me be deliberate and let me be purposeful in my pursuit of Christ and advancement of your kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Let's close like this. If you're here today and, and, and you need prayer for anything, we'd be delighted to pray with you before you go. In just a few moments, you'll be about your life. You're going to lunch. You're going to play ball, going to play golf, whatever you're going to do. But if you're here and you need someone to pray with you, Please do it. Maybe something in the message that I shared this morning, a scripture, maybe something God spoke to you about. Maybe you have a burden for someone that's backslidden or someone that's away from God. Let somebody in the place of prayer in this environment pray for you. But most importantly, friend, maybe you're here and your spiritual life with God's not where it needs to be. What I mean by that is you're over here in this kingdom of darkness. See, it's a difference. Nobody has to tell me what my old life used to be like. I'm a different person. And I'm different not because I think differently, not because I try harder. I'm different because Jesus changed my life when I accepted his free gift of salvation. I'm grateful for my heritage and upbringing in a church, but going to church won't save you. Surrendering your life to Christ will. And maybe this really resonates with you today and you feel a drawing in your heart to God and you want to commit your life to Christ. I want to tell you, friend, we'd be honored to pray with you. This is not joining our church, and we will not embarrass you. 
But if you're here today and you want to make a step to Christ, I'm going to encourage you when we begin to play this song, just slip out of your chair and meet someone over at the cross and they'll stand with you as you make the greatest decision of your life to follow Christ. Go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. And if you want prayer for anything, just slip out of your chair. The men and women will be here for you. But most importantly, if you need to make a step to Christ, you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, just slip out of your chair and meet us at the cross. We'll pray for you. I love you. Thanks for coming today. Sing with us.